This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Lots of talk about protests, uh, lots of talk about blockades. I mean, protesters showed up at Premier John Horgan's house yesterday uh, trying to grab attention, grab headlines and do a citizen's arrest, apparently, of the Premier. The Premier had already left for Budget Day. Yesterday morning, when the protesters attempted to perform that citizen's arrest on his property uh, because of the budget lockup, uh, we weren't able to actually get anyone on at the time, but we wanted to bring in Liberal MLA Ellis Ross today to get his reaction specifically to what happened at Horgan's house and then in a more broader sense, what we are looking at in terms of messaging that protesters are uh, attempting to get across if it's a missed message. Ellis Ross is with us. Thanks for being with us once again, sir. Thank you. So let's start first with uh, your thoughts when you first heard that protesters had showed up at uh, Premier Horgan's home. Well, it's the second time in this term this has happened. And, you know, as political leaders, whether at the bank council level or municipal or provincial, we expect criticisms and abuse. We expect it. But you you cross the line when you drag your fa- their family members into it. That's crossing the line. I agree with you. I spoke with a, a, a protester. Chrissy Brett was on it with us yesterday, and I asked her specifically about this because it had just happened. And Chrissy said, well, you come to our door, we're coming to yours. That sort of tit for tat, that um, two wrongs don't make a right piece can, can escalate pretty quickly here, can it not? You know, I've never seen anybody in terms of a pro-pipeline uh, supporter go to somebody's protester's house and actually pick at them and try to arrest somebody that's trying to oppose a pipeline. Right. That's a totally different context. Now, can you explain, uh, Mr. Ross, uh, if I may call you Ellis, um, to our listener, a little bit about your background, if they're unfamiliar. Obviously, you're a BC Liberal MLA for Skeena, but uh, tell us about your, your background, your heritage, how you grew up. Uh, born and raised on reserve. I still live there today. I'm 54 years old. And I basically grew up just like every other average Aboriginal grown up reserve. No future, drugs, alcohol, violence, abuse, you name it. Uh, I saw it. I experienced it. I lived it. I even did it myself. And so when I became a leader for my band, I decided to do something practical uh, and solid for my people so they didn't have to go through what I went through and my what uh, my previous leaders went through. So you've grown up... In the community, as you said, you've seen the struggles firsthand. Gord McDonald and I were talking a little bit earlier about protesting uh, pipelines, the acrimony here, and and sort of what we're seeing both locally and across the country in regard to protests. And yet it always seems to come back to the five of 13 hereditary chiefs who oppose coastal translink uh, pipeline. How should... In your uh, learned opinion, how should Wet'suwet'en solve this from within? How Can they? Well, they can now because uh, basically the members have been told that their voice doesn't matter from their leadership, from their hereditary leadership, and that it doesn't matter if you have a public meeting or not because the hereditaries are going to basically stick to their plan to stop uh, the pipeline, which actually goes against the principle of rights and title because rights and title is actually held on behalf of the community. The community owns the rights and title. It's not one specific organization, so it only stands to reason then whoever represents the, whoever the people, the community want them to represent, they're the ones that should be speaking out on rights and title issues. 
So I spoke with Chief Namox, a hereditary chief who opposes the pipeline. I spoke with him last week, and he really seemed to poo-poo the elected chief's sort of... um, I don't know, power is the right word. Authority, I think, is a better word. He said, you know, my name is a thousand years old. Uh, elected chiefs uh, are are there on the reserve, but he is a hereditary chief of all of Wet'suwet'en land. Can you give some context to that? We're, we're all learning so much about this. Uh, trying to find a way to navigate through this is, is very difficult. Yeah, that's part of the subversive campaign that uh, basically destabilized democratically elected bank councils. Mm-hmm. And even usually BC Indian chiefs actually goes along with this narrative, which is crazy. Why would a name like Union BC Indian chiefs stop the progress of Aboriginals in BC? Why would you actually go and attack elected bank leaders saying, that, oh, their only jurisdiction is on reserve, it's only a posted stamp? Why would you say that when, when we're trying to better the lives of our people, we're trying to build a better future? And it, I haven't seen any of this in writing anywhere. The case law, I haven't seen anywhere. We're with Ellis Ross, who is a BC Liberal MLA for Skeena, and lived experience, frankly, in, in seeing the struggles of First Nations peoples and, and wanting to make lives better. I mean, reading up on your bio, what you have done and, and, and where, how you've strategically put yourself in positions to guide and lead and, and have a seat at the table in government so that, th- that, that First Nations people's needs are heard and business can be developed. You, you are very vocal and adamant about the fact that so many people need this type of opportunity, this type of job opportunity. If it's not a pipeline, it's something else, but need this yeah without doubt and i can't take credit for this because uh, all the leaders before me actually actually developed this idea that actually my uncle heber makeland that coined the term we just want to share and say before the rights and title case law was uh, established in fact when i became an elected leader i'd go to public meetings and our elders would always get up and say you know where's the jobs for our kids you know, we want to be part of the economy. We're tired of being poor and being left out of everything that's happening in Kitimat, one of uh, the richest communities in Canada at one time. So it, w- it wasn't actually my idea. I just develop- helped develop the, the plan along with my chief and council. What do you say to the protesters who are basically making the, the stance or argument that they are standing with? With, with Aboriginals? Or, yeah, well, people, people that, that would that would disrupt here, let's say, uh, blocking bridges in Victoria and, and say, just not really having a message other than I stand with. How, do you, how can a Canadian, how can any, how can any com- Canadian, regardless of heritage or religion, stand with First Nations people truly toward reconciliation? Well, reconciliation is a different question, but if you really want to protest something, protest the high level of suicide that's higher per capita than regular Canadians. Protest mm-hmm. that protest the high level of Aboriginals that still go into prisons. Please protest that. Protest the idea that we make up the biggest population of children going into government care. Please blockade the legislature. Do something. Help us. Because that's what we've been doing for the last 15 years and we made tremendous progress in my band. Why do you want to stop that progress and why do you want to put us back under the Indian Act? And I'm talking to the Union of Beasts and Chiefs as well. Why do you want to do this when the whole fight was self-determination independence, and the ability to address our own issues on our own terms, which is what we've been doing for the last five years. We don't need your outsider influence to destabilize and stop everything, because we made tremendous progress.
And in order to build on that progress, this particular issue is really becoming a national, uh, well, it's just an, an everyday constant news cycle story. I mean, even today we're talking about between five and seven at Broadway and commercial, there's going to be a protest that's happening that's going to snarl afternoon uh, rush hour traffic, which is going to frustrate citizens of all walks and and put them in a position to maybe have more of, I don't know, a negative view uh, of what they might have supported two months ago. And it goes further than that. And I've already seen uh, uh, rumblings of this on social media. You know, these leaders who are recklessly stating these, these opinions out there, they have no interest in what happens to regular band members right. that go to the grocery store to shop. And they get accosted by people that can't go to work or get a paycheck. And these average Aboriginals have no political bone in their body. They don't want to shut down Canada. They don't want to blockade anything. They actually enjoy the hospitals, the highways. They enjoy all the services. They have no interest. So it's, it's very unfair to drag them into this when they're just going to try and go about their, their lives. In fact, people, non-natives as well, you know, you think about this. There's a person that's got to get to a hospital. And you're not an Aboriginal, you're Aboriginal, I don't know what you are. But you can't get there because you got to get diverted. Now, this is getting serious. I mean, this is, and, and it's, not, it's not based on fact. None of this is fact. And so, Canadians, you now know what First Nations feel like to be told 1% of the story and used and manipulated for somebody else's agenda. You now know what it feels like. Wow, I just have to let that sit there for a moment. I really appreciate your time, Ellis. Thank you. Ellis Ross, BC Liberal MLA for Skeena, giving perspective on this. Give us your thoughts on it. 604-331-BUZZ, 604-331-2899.